And so two becoming one. And we're looking first in Genesis chapter number two, verse 24. You guys are very familiar with this, this verse and this uh, story. But there's a couple that we'll look at at the beginning here. If you don't mind turning a couple places in your Bible with me, we'll also be in Matthew and in Mark, as you can see, highlighted on your paper there. But Genesis 2, 24. And in fact, just for some good uh, class participation here, uh, Zach, if you can get the Matthew verse coming up and then we'll put Kyle on the spot. Kyle, if you can get the Mark 10 uh, reference there. And then Ben or Cindy, one of you guys okay with, right? Ephesians 5.31. And we'll see a common theme, which is what we're going to be talking about today. We're just going to look at two words in the lesson today uh, that we have looked at before, but about uh, two becoming one. Uh, you heard the joke about the guy. He was walking along and uh, thought he saw something there, kind of shimmering and picked it up. Sure enough, it's a, it's a lamp. And sure enough, a genie pops out. And the genie said, I'm here to grant you three wishes, but I'm a, a genie who specializes in marital practices and services. So I have to give you this warning that whatever uh, you ask for, you will receive, but your mother-in-law is going to get double, a double portion of that. And so the guy said he thought, and he grew up in California, he said, man, I, I want a mansion if I could right outside the beach, just step out and we're right there. That's what I would want. My family would love that. Jeannie said, done. Boom. There you go. There's your mansion. You've got it. It's all ready to go. Right down the road is your, as a, uh, your mother-in-law. She's your neighbor, and she's got two mansions. And so he thought, okay, all right. At least I got mine. He said, all right, well, you know, it's going to be costly to live out in California. And so uh, if you could, I'd love to have $500 million, and that'll probably last me the lifetime out there. And then you said, boom, done. Don't forget, though, your mother-in-law got to- double that, right? That's all of her money as well. And she's your neighbor too. And so he said, okay, that's good. Last wish. So he's thinking for a little while. And he said, okay, I need you to beat me half to death. And so that's what he asked for the genius to do. So anyways, sometimes when we're, uh, was that too dark? I'm sorry. All right. So scare me half to death. There we go. You could scare me half to death. It was dark. So anyways, we're going to talk this week about the kind of the friction that we see what happens when we come from leaving and then cleaving. And so those are our words we're going to look at in a little bit here. But let's start out by looking together at Genesis chapter 2 and verse number 24. Have you guys never heard that joke before? No? It's a kind of a Baptist original. So you're supposed to say scare me half to death. But I was like, you yeah, know, you guys can take it. You know, beat me half to death, whatever. So Genesis 2.24 says this. Therefore... Shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. Let's continue on this pattern looking at Matthew chapter number 19 and verse 5. And Zach has this verse. And he said, for this cause shall a man leave father and mother and shall cleave to his wife and they twain shall be one flesh. Okay. Mark 10, 7 and 8. Mark 10, 7 and 8. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. Okay, so I want you to notice a lot of times people say, well, that was given in the Old Testament, but this is now twice backed up by the words of Jesus. So Jesus is saying, I'm taking this Old Testament principle, right, in practice and bringing it into the New Testament age as well. It's, it's doubly reinforced. Now, 
Just because something is said in the Old Testament doesn't mean it's negated in the New Testament, okay? Um, there are certain things like the daily oblation. Aren't you glad that this morning we didn't have to wake up and you know, sacrifice a lamb for the sins of our household or whatever or on a monthly basis or whatever that rotation might be? Because Christ obviously came as a sacrificial lamb. And so when something is better or when something in fullness comes, then that which is done in part is done away with. And so the only time something is negated from the Old Testament is when something more perfect and better comes along in the New Testament. And then the Bible tells us that. And so uh, it's reinforced here with Jesus Christ. And then it's going to be reinforced one last time uh, by Paul through the writings of Paul in Ephesians chapter 5 in verse 31. This cause shall man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. Okay, so three separate times we saw this. They're going to be joined together, and then no more are they two, but now they're one because they're, they're joined, okay? And so that's what we're going to look at as we look at these verses uh, here together and the points in the lesson today. Uh, command one, as you're going to fill in there, is this. Oh, sorry. Three pictures. My bad. Okay. So this is uh, Justin and uh, uh, Valerie from their, um, what are you guys at? Three months now? Not even two months? They're babies. They're just babies. Not even two months yet. Uh, so um, that was from uh, their wedding day, obviously. Uh, here's Zach and Anna. I was going to show this one last week, but I knew you guys wouldn't be here, so I waited another week. Thank you guys for submitting this right here. Uh, this happened right behind them there. You can't see it because it drops off a lot. Beautiful cliffs and the oceans out there, and it's, it's really nice and such. And so this is from their wedding in California. Right at, what are you guys at? Are you guys at six months? What are you at right now? Four months? Okay. I'm overshooting everything. Okay, all right. Four months. Congratulations, you guys. And then this is uh, Mike and Sheena Lizzie, which I believe they're at 13. 16? They're at 16 years. 15, Got it. I should stop guessing. So they're at 15 years. Anyways, all three of those people are married is what I'm trying to say. And so we're excited for you guys. Uh, Command one is leave, is leave. And sometimes, look, it's difficult to leave. You heard about the little boy that, uh, you know, it, your kid's probably done this some, sometime, whatever. Six or seven-year-old boy's just kind of learning about love. And so one day he tells his mommy, gladly announces they're at supper, mommy, one day I'm going to marry you. And his sister's older, and she said, you can't marry mom. She's already married, uh, and she's your mom. She's married to dad, so you can't marry her. And so the little boy, a couple minutes later, acknowledges, okay. And then he turns to his sister. He says, well, I'm going to, one day I'm going to marry you. And she said, you can't marry me. We're family. That's not the way it works. You can't marry anybody in your family. And the boy surprisingly says, so you mean I have to marry a complete stranger? <laughs> and that's, that's the way that it is, right? You're marrying a complete stranger. And so sometimes you don't always know uh, what you're getting into. But the first thing that we know is this, is that there needs to be a leaving and a breaking away uh, in order to create and to form that family. Now, some of you, when you got married, it was a little bit easier on this first point because you literally left states, right? And so your family is, is out of state, right? And, and you're not there. So for you, it, you know, it still might look like eight hours a day of FaceTime, you know, or, or you're always texting, you're always, you know, back and forth. And that's okay, especially at the beginning stages. Uh, but some people have a really, really easy time in leaving. Maybe they weren't super close to their family growing up. Or maybe there was a little bit of distance there. Or maybe they were just really ready, you know. Um, several people, a lot of, uh, even of us, got married kind of older or later in life. The average age 
uh, right now in America for people to get married is 27. And so that's shifted a lot. You know, if you have grandparents, I know my grandparents got married at 19 and 17. And that's probably true for a lot of you guys, you know, that your parents got married, you know, pre-22. Maybe that's even the case for you. But it certainly has shifted uh, as we've gone along and that age has gone up and up and up. And so I think that actually the way it works is like it's 28 for guys and 26 for girls. But so the average age of just people is 27 in America. And so as a society, we're getting married later and later and later. So because of that, you might have come in with a lot of attachments that you need to set aside and you need to leave. So the first one that we're going to look at is this. Leave parents. Leave parents. Now, you might have a little bit of a tension and a struggle between, okay, what does that look like? How often is, you know, I don't want to be rude and, and no one's saying here that you don't love mom and dad anymore or no one's saying that you're not uh, obviously loyal to them or any of that stuff. You still have heart attachments to all of them. But there's two things that we're going to look at. The first one is this. Number one, count, cut the counseling string. Cut the counseling string. Uh, I'll say this first to ladies. Guys, we tend to under-communicate. I'm just going to look at species as a broad, okay? So if this doesn't apply to you, I'm sorry. Uh, guys, we tend to under-communicate feelings and problems and emotions. Ladies, sometimes we tend to over-communicate feelings, problems, and emotions. I know everyone's offended and that doesn't apply to you. But typically, uh, you know, as a broad stroke, that might apply. And so we need to be careful how much... We are telling our parents uh, in, in complaining, basically, right, about our spouse. Here's what happens, and you know this. You might have a little dust up with your spouse. And if you're used to picking up the phone right away and calling and saying, Mom, you'll never guess what happened, right? Or Mom, I have to tell you this, or I'm so angry, whatever, right, that kind of thing. Uh, if that's you, what typically happens is within 24 hours, especially if you're newlywed, you've worked out that kind of, uh, disagreement with your spouse. It's already done. And 48 hours, you probably already forgot about it, right? And you're back to kissing good morning and all that other stuff and the cute texts and the funny memes that you send back and forth, well, how, whatever your relationship looks like, okay? You're already there. But guess who's not there? Your mommy, right? Who now is really mad for you, right? And, and doesn't like this husband. And the next time, so look, about the 10th time you've done this, mom's you know, counsel might be like, Maybe you shouldn't forgive him. You know what? You need to kind of make him pay for this. You know, like I told you, you should have never married him, right? Whatever it is, that kind of thing. You should have married that guy instead. You know, uh, whatever it starts to sound like, they're going to take up your offense a lot more than you're going to take up your offense. And that's because at the end of the day, you love your spouse, right? Uh, but at the end of the day, they don't love your spouse the way that you love your spouse. We can understand this because we all have kids. No matter who your kid marries, Push comes to shove, you're going to love your kid more than you love the person that they marry, typically. I'd say that's like 95% of the case, okay? I realize there's some situations where you're like, I wish that you were my son or my daughter. Or wish, you know, whatever, okay? Uh, but typically, you've poured so many years, 18 years, right, plus, you know, all of the money calculates, people have calculated up before how much, you know, it takes to, to take a kid from zero and diapers, right, and food and all that stuff up to 18. It's astronomical. If you knew the number, you'd probably just not have kids, right? But keep having kids so we won't say the number. So the point is, though, is that you're going to grab that offense. And so you need to put yourself in that, uh, in that other way. If something comes up and it's an issue and it's been an issue for a long time, 
there, it might be appropriate at that point for you to seek counsel, okay? But this swift, I'm angry about something, so I need to tell somebody, we need to be really careful about that. Even if that's a coworker that we're, that we're telling or whatever else. Several weeks ago, I was uh, in, in talking to somebody. They, they said, look, I need, I need to get your counsel on something because everyone in my life, all my coworkers, all my girlfriends, people I'm talking to, whatever else, they all say that I just need to get a divorce. I said, all right, let's talk about the situation. Talked about the situation. I said, nope, definitely not. <laughs> it's a very easy situation. In fact, that situation was better three days later. But what had happened? Something had built up for a couple weeks, and so they kind of ran around, and what do you think about this? What do you think? And then talked to every person they were close to at work, every person they had been close to with high school, every person they were Facebook friends, whatever, right? This, we were 20 people deep at this point. But they're lost folks. They didn't have the same values. They didn't have the same uh, outlook on life and Christianity. And so they were all saying the same thing, like, well, just dump him, that kind of thing. And so we need to be careful sometimes who we're getting either active counsel from but inactive, right, or passive counsel. Whenever I talk to someone, I share my problems. People want to help if they love you. But you might not be seriously walking into a counseling situation where, hey, I need to talk to you about something, I need your counsel. You might just be saying stuff, but people are gonna be giving you counsel. And after a while, you look at that, and it's a huge, like, oh man, everybody thinks that I should do this one thing right here. But it might not be the right thing, and it certainly might not be the biblical thing. And so we need to be careful about who we're getting counsel from. The next thing that you're going to see there, you don't have to write it, but you see it right there, is cut the economic string. Cut the economic string. Let me say an unpopular statement. Young couples, it's very good and healthy to financially struggle. How many of you, when you were a younger couple, did financially struggle? Can I show of hands? Okay, good. Well, hey, this is a great opportunity for a talking point, isn't it? Um, what, is, what are a couple of things, looking back, now that you're, and by the way, if you're, if you're five years or less and married, I want you to listen up because people that are married longer are about to say something. Well, looking back, what are some things that you can look back and say, it taught us this, it helped me in this, or whatever else, to have that period of struggle in our lives where things weren't always just super cherry and good. Can anybody help me out with that? Katie. So cutting the economic string, it's, it's really easy, obviously. Oh, but as, as Katie said, I love that. Like there's times where you're gonna wanna pick up and be like, hey, cause you know you can get a bailout, right? Or you know you can get this, or you know you can just get sympathy, whatever it is, right? Maybe your parents can't you know, fund you or whatever, uh, but they'll at least be a sympathetic ear. But it's always worth it, as she said, to hang in there, to talk, to work together, and you're gonna come out stronger together through adversities. You don't really grow that much on mountaintops, right? Growth happens in the valley. You get up there above the tree lines, there's nothing growing up there. Down in the valley though, it's beautiful. There's meadows, all this other stuff, right? That, those hard times deepen, strengthen, and enrich in our relationships. And that's the important thing to remember from this lesson today. And it will never happen if you don't ever fully leave to set up the next word that we're gonna look at in just a second, okay? The second thing that here is leave past people, leave past people. Second Corinthians 10, 12, we dare not make ourselves with the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. It's not a wise thing to compare situations, okay? Um, sometimes we can think, man, well, this couple's not struggling or this couple's doing this, you know, or they're doing that, whatever. Um, but that would be an unwise thing for us to do. The third thing here is leave past problems. Leave past problems. Paul says this in Philippians 3.13. You can see it right there. 
Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I want you to circle the word forgetting in that verse if you could. Circle the word forgetting. Um, Curtis Hudson used to say uh, that God is blessed with the divine forgetter. And that's what's great about God is when we confess our sins, that he forgets those sins and he removes them from us. First John 1, 9 also printed there for you. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So the if is never on God's end. The if is always on our end, if I'm willing to do this. I want to point out something that Ralph said. He also said that during that time of financial struggle, during the time when, it, when, it was, when they were struggling, they decided we're going to start honoring God with our money. That's called tithing. We're going to look at that in a couple of weeks, and so I'm not going to touch on it heavily right now, but that's 10%. And by the way, this is a debt that we owe, and so it's not me giving to God. God said, look, 10% of what you have, that's, that's mine. That's what you're going to trust me with. Now, you can stay off of 90, but that 10%. And so that's actually the first bill in our household that we pay because owing God is more, is, takes higher precedent than owing Bank of America or owing P&M or owing Smith's Grocery or whatever, Netflix, whatever. Typically what people do is they invert that and they say, okay, if we have money left over, we're gonna pay God. But God should be the preeminent, right? We looked at Colossians, the supreme one in our life. And so he said, guess what? We started in the valley. We started trusting God with our finances. And what happened? God started to turn that thing around because God can bless you more than you can bless yourself. God can do more with your 90% than you can do with your 100%. So just trust God, right? Easier said than done, but still an important principle. Here's uh, a f- um, four word pictures of God's forgiveness. If we're having trouble in, in claiming God's forgiveness, the depths of the sea, Micah seven nineteen. It says that he will cast all their sin into the depths of the sea. Psalms 103, verse 12, great verse. You probably know it. Uh, as far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Isaiah 118, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. In other words, he shall wash as white as snow. And look at this complete forgiveness in Hebrews 10, 17. And their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. If you're having a hard time in letting go and forgiving yourself, remember that you're probably hanging on to something that God has forgotten about forever ago. But a lot of times, well, in every single case, when you marry someone, whether that person's 20 or whether they're 30 or whether they're 40, they're coming in with their own baggage. It's already packed, right? Some people got armfuls, right? And it's over that 50 pound limit. They're just dragging it in. Um, But some people are coming in pretty light. They've done some good work with God or whatever. Uh, But the point is, is that whatever you bring in there, when you become one, that other person will need to now deal with. And so let's make sure that we're claiming forgiveness in Christ and doing what we need to do there. The second command is this, is cleave, cleave. Now, it's important to remember that you can't cleave unto something new unless first you've left something that's old. So whether that's parents, people, problems, three we looked at, whatever it is, you need to be able to turn from that to turn to towards something else. Three things that we'll look at here. First, cleave to your marriage covenant. Cleave to your marriage covenant. Matthew 19, 6 says this. 
the follow-up verse from the first one that we read there on the front page. Wherefore, they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. Now, I want to show you, um, I think the number that I saw for millennials, folks that are getting married of recent, is like 27% now come into marriage with a prenuptial. What A prenuptial is kind of like a parachute, right? So this is like a, I'm ready if something goes bad. I'm ready to jump if it goes bad, if that analogy makes sense, right? And so I, I'm able to protect myself against, well, I'm not sure if this is the right decision or not, right? So I want a little bit of assurance on the back end. And so 27%, that's you know a quarter of, of people that are getting married in these days. Let's look at the difference between a covenant and a contract. So covenant would be what God wants us to have when we enter into it. Contract is kind of what the world will sell you. Like, hey, you're an individual, you still need to take care of yourself, right? Make sure you're good just in case something bad happens. First thing, a covenant is based on love. And a contract is motivated by commitments that are made. Covenant based on the law of God, a contract motivated by legal compulsion, uh, assumes the uh, relationship till death do us part, and a contract prepares for marriage to fail. Just in case. Covenant, what's mine is yours. Contract protects what is mine. By the way, this is why I do think that it's a good idea to have, let's say, joint things, right? Joint services together, uh, joint monies, different things like that. Um, because if you're sort of preparing to fail, it might not be shocking when we do, right? And so we need to be prepared for that. Uh, your interests are my interests versus secures my interest and then prepares for a life together and then contract prepares for a life apart just in case. Be underneath here is cleave to your manual. That, of course, is the Bible. One of my favorite passages is this one in James 1, 22 through 24. And I don't think that you have um, this one. So let me read it to you. Um, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving your own self. But if you're hearers of the word and not doer, he is like a man that beholdeth his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. How many of you have ever asked your kids, did you look at yourself at all in the mirror when you were getting ready this morning, right? How did you miss that, right? Uh, that one was an obvious one, that kind of thing. Um, somehow the first time, the first time we, we got our boys, it was time to go to church. My wife set out for him uh, a, you know, Sunday clothes. So the shirt and it was a vest because, you know, full suits for little boys, you know, it's a train wreck. So shirt, vest, and pants. And getting ready to walk out the door, and my youngest, I look at him, and I go, I need you to put on the vest that mom got for you. Like, we're going to take some pictures today or whatever. And he goes, I did. Well, you put it under his shirt, like on the inside or whatever, you know? Uh, I guess he had never worn, you know, clothes like that before or whatever else. And so I had to explain it to him, you know, or whatever. No, I just left him. I was like, it's fine. We'll roll out the door, you know, it's fine. Um, but we had to explain to him how things work. But that's the way sometimes we are. We don't look at our, ourselves and what's going on. And then lastly here, um, well, let me read James one twenty five since you have it there. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, that'd be God's word, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Lastly here, see, 
is cleave to your mate. Not to get too British on you, but Psalm 63, 8 says this. My soul followeth hard after thee. Thy right hand upholdeth me. Okay, we're going to look at some homework questions. Here's some reflection questions you can do uh, this week. Or I always try to encourage you, hey, do it sometime today. Because if you, how many of you, let's just be honest here. How many forgot to do your homework from last week, right? Good. The whole class, oh, most of you did your homework from last week. Is that right? Nobody's saying anything. Okay, plausible deniability. All right, okay, that's fine. All right. Katie will give out demerits next week for, no, all right. So here's the first thing. Reflection questions, one. Um, on, whom do you, on whom did you depend most before you married? Maybe some of you just write this really quick. Maybe some of you are super close to your mom. Maybe some of you had super close, you know, you and your sister, because the way it grew up, whatever. Uh, daddy's girl, different stuff like that, okay. Two. How has marriage affected that prior relationship? Obviously, what we're getting at is a little bit of leaving, okay? If you're writing down, marriage has not affected this relationship at all, okay? Then C.1 again, okay? Uh, but I guarantee that it has. And time does. Distance changes things, you know, whatever else. How many of you, uh, your friends from high school, right? We're never going to, we're always going to talk. We'll always be close, right? You don't talk to any of them anymore, that kind of thing. Uh, Vic's going around to get your football papers there. Question number three. Describe the greatest bond between you and your spouse, okay? Uh, maybe it was, it was probably formed through a hard time that we heard a couple about today. And then lastly, number four there, what specific strings do you need to cut in order to intensify the bond between you and your spouse? We talked about this earlier between the, um, the, string, the counseling string, that's what it was, and the economic string. There's, probably, there's hundreds of strings. You know your life better than I do, and so one of those will be applicable uh, towards you and everything like that. Okay, um, let's go ahead and uh, close up here. Good class today. Great attendance. Thank you guys so much for being here.